God's grace, mercy, and peace are yours in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, uh, here's an author named Simon Sinek. Maybe some of you have, are familiar with him. He's written a book called Start with the Why. And, uh, you know, he applies this to businesses and organizations, but he also applies it to just people and their personal lives. And, and he kind of does this diagram thing, looks a little bit like a bullseye, and the very outer ring, because he has three questions. The outer ring is the first question, and it's simply what? But then you move into the next ring, and the question for there is how? And then the very center, the bullseye ring, is why? And he says most of us, just naturally, we start at the outside ring, and we start thinking about, well, what? What am I going to do? Or what is this business about? Or what even in the morning, what am I going to do today? And so some of you are list makers, and so you make your list of what am I going to do today? And then, so that's kind of that outer circle. Everybody kind of does that. And then you move to the next circle in, and he says, well, now you have to answer the question, how? Whatever it was going to be, how am I going to do that? So in my list of things I need to accomplish here at the office today, it became how will I accomplish those things? Some of them are with phone calls, some are with emails, some are by reading some, some literature, and, and so it becomes how am I going to do that? But he says very few people actually get to the center and answer the question why. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing what I do? And why am I going about how I do it? And he says, that's the most important circle, right? Is why. Why did I get up this morning? And some of you may still be wondering why I got up this morning. But that's, the, that's his emphasis. An interesting thing, right? You know, he writes the book about it, and, and many people have, and, and he has some great information in there. Ironically, right, God's been answering those three questions for a long time. The why and the how and the what. And, uh, and even in Psalm 95, God answers all three of those questions, starting with the outside and working in. He answers the what, and then the how, and finally the why. And that's what I want to explore with you just for a few moments, is how God answers, or, or what answers God gives to those three questions. So even as you just saw on the screen, those, the writings of Psalm 95, what he starts out by saying is that you're to come together to worship. Come together to worship God. That's what he says to us, the psalm writer. And it was, it was sung. I mean, obviously the psalms were sung. It was also a prayer. But he says here, as we sing the song, it's a reminder and actually a command to everybody to come together to worship God Almighty. That's the what. And then he uh, moves right into how do you do that. And some of the ways he phrased it is, first we sing. We sing as we worship God. And then we shout we shout his praises and acclamations to him. And, and then we say thanks. We come into his presence and offer thanksgiving. And then he says we also admire him. And so that's kind of the how. We, the what? Come together to worship. And how? Through singing and shouting and saying thanks and admiring him. And then he goes into the why. And he spends pretty much the rest of the psalm talking about why we would worship God. And the first thing he points out to us is he says simply that God is great. God is great. He says he is the great king and that he is above all other gods. And we would say, okay, that's enough reason right there. You've answered the why. And so because God is great and he's greater than all other gods, we'll worship him. But God doesn't stop there, right? Because he recognizes right away that we have a challenge. I mean, it's a challenge for us to worship God simply because He's great. Does that shock you? 
that it's difficult for us, it's a challenge for us to worship God simply because He's great. And I wondered about this challenge that we face, this struggle that we, we have in worshiping God simply because He's great. And what I come, came to the conclusion of as I read this psalm, and then again in the Hebrews passage that talks also about the things of this psalm, is, is I think the issue that we sometimes struggle with is that would mean that if we're going to worship God because He's great, then He would have to be the center of all our attention. And we like to be the center of attention. Fair enough. It reminds me of a time, so I've been a licensed professional counselor here in the state of Idaho since 1993. And while I was in the a program at Idaho State University, one of the classes was spending the entire course on the book that we call the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Understanding Mental Disorders. And it's a thick book. And we spent a whole course going through that disorder by disorder. And you know what we discovered as students as we go through this book? We have all of them. We, we are afflicted with every one of those disorders. I mean, and we would tease each other about that. But the, here's the thing is, and I, I was convinced as, of course, a, a student of the Word and a follower of Christ that, yes, we have some of those symptoms in all of us because we're all broken. We're all broken. And so, yes, we have some of those. But this one, I was going to share it with you. I mean, here's some, of the, here's some of the criteria to meet this one disorder. I need to be the center of attention. And sometimes I express my emotions to a degree that you might call me a drama king or a drama queen, if the case may be. Or I like to draw attention to myself. And sometimes I even do that by being shy. Is I can, I can draw attention to myself by, you know, almost inviting people to say. Or I act like there's a problem. And so everybody says, Jim, what's the problem? Are you okay? You seem... And so, you know, i got to say it, right? High schoolers are sometimes the best at that kind of thing. But anyway, so drawing attention to myself. Sometimes I'm easily influenced by others because I'm being driven by wanting their acceptance or approval. And sometimes I think that a relationship that I have with somebody is really deeper than it, what it is because I want to be their favorite. And so, I mean, th these are the criteria for a, a mental health disorder, and yet I can look at those and say, I, they seem pretty natural for anybody who's a sinner. Right? Because of our brokenness and because we want to be the center of attention, I think we resist worshiping God simply because He's great. Because that would mean that He would be the center of our attention. So we struggle a little bit. So God goes on in this writing to the, the author of 95, Psalm 95, and says, not only is God great, but He's the Creator. He says, in His hands are the depths of the earth and the mountains' peaks belong to Him. The sea is His, for He made it. And his hands form the dry land. So come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. He is our maker. As we look around the room at one another, we are looking at the pinnacle of God's creation. He says, he is your maker. And he has molded you and crafted you, knitted you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says we worship Him. Next reason, next answer for the why is because He made us. And He is the maker of all things, the creator of all things. And so we would bow down and worship Him. But again, I find that we have a challenge here for us. It's kind of a struggle. Because then, you know, let me say it this way. I think what we want to do is define ourselves. 
we look for and we seek our identity and our value other places than, than God himself. So either we want to define ourselves, who we are, or things about us, or we look to other people to define us and tell us whether we're valuable or not. And so therefore we're going to struggle to worship God because he's the maker of all things and maker of me, especially if I look at me and go, you know, shoddy craftsmanship. It's going to be hard to worship God. And so he says, we have a challenge. If we are seeking our identity or value from anywhere but our maker. So the first reason we would worship God is because he's great. And the second one, we would worship him because he's our creator. But I think we reject that sometimes. I think we reject that. He goes on in Psalm 95 and says, I'm also your shepherd, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And I think when he talks about being our shepherd, we could easily say he's our savior. He's our shepherd, our savior. And our challenge here, of course, is that we tend to go our own way, do our own thing. I think I may have mentioned this before, but it continues to be something that I encounter all the time in our, in our beings, who we are as people, but also in our culture and our society, is that we want to be able to make any choice we want to make, right? I mean, it's kind of ingrained in us, and maybe because of our society and our culture, it's even emphasized, but we want to be able to do and choose anything we want to. And if there are any consequences for our choice, we want to choose those two. Does that make sense? I mean, I want to choose to do this thing over here, but if it has consequence that goes with it, I was like, oh, no, I don't want that consequence. I'd rather choose this one over here. I like this consequence. And so we want to make both our choices and our consequences, whatever we want them to be, to do our own thing. And so I think our challenge here is that we tend to wander off. We wander off. And yet, Jesus Christ, as our shepherd and our savior, comes for us over and over again. And so we have these reasons that God gives us to the why. He says he's great, says he's our creator, and he says he's our shepherd and savior. But then he says one more thing, right? In light of all our challenges and struggles to worship him for who he is and what he's done, there's something that happened that should not be forgotten. And, and the author makes this reference to something that you'll find in Exodus chapter 17 if you want to look that up later. <coughs> but here's this, the author says, Today, if only you would hear my voice. Sorry, let me read that again. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, even though they had seen what I did. Even though he had shown them who he is and what he had done, they hardened their hearts. Their hearts were as hard as the dry earth, because what had happened here, the brief history of what was happening here, is Moses was leading the people through the wilderness, and they were without water. And they had no water to drink. And they also asked the why question, but it's a little bit different emphasis. Their why question was one of judgment. They say, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? So here's the water shortage, and they complain. They complained against Moses. They complained against God. And the reason it was called Meribah and Massa is because it refers to the fact that at this place there was testing of God 
and rebellion against God. And so it got named that. And so here the psalmist says, remember that day? It was a day that should not be forgotten. It was a day when the people hardened their hearts against God and they complained. Now complaining is something that is pretty common. Pretty common. Psychologists have done some research, and while they don't have any, at least I couldn't find any hard facts or statistics, they were saying that the prevalence of complaining is startling. And just how much complaining is part of our conversations, our daily lives. Because what they discovered is people complain about just anything. They complain about the weather, the economy, our health or lack thereof, traffic. I mean, I've heard people even complain about traffic here in Pocatello. <laughs> and I think Jonathan would agree, just go sit on the I-5 for a while, you know. <laughs> traffic. They complain about shoddy workmanship or people, you know, how, how things get done. You know, I went to McDonald's the other day, ordered a double quarter pounder with cheese, and guess what I got? A single quarter pounder with cheese. <laughs> I complained about that for a while. We complain, we complain about our government, we complain about work, our neighbors, our colleagues, etc. We can find just about anything to complain about. And at the core of it, complaining, I think you'll agree with me, complaining is really just communicating our dissatisfaction. And so here the people in the wilderness were complaining about their dissatisfaction with God because here's the question they end with. Is the Lord among us or not? Is he here or not? Is Well, God's answer was absolutely, I'm here with you. The Lord is present. And to prove it, he made water gush forth from a rock. He took care of his people's needs. But he, again, he says, I am here with you, taking care of you. And, and basically, it's the same thing he said. He says, he's great. He's the creator. He's their shepherd. He's here with them. But they were complaining. And so our psalmist starts out with and says, emphasizes, not, you know, let me say it this way. Because the Lord is great, because he is our creator, because he is here with us, shepherding us and saving us, we should worship him. Worshiping him should be our priority. And he means it. And he means it. Reminding me of this story, I checked out some of the facts with Teresa, and so Joshua, are you ready to be uh, embarrassed? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but it is about you. <laughs> so... So many of you know that Joshua was born three months early, micro-preemie, and uh, because he was a micro-preemie, he had certain developmental pieces about him that were being developed maybe at a different rate. And so we had, as uh, Teresa and I were seeking to meet his needs, we had him engaged in occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, vision therapy. He's two years old and we've got him signed up for everything. And so sometimes what was presented for us is we weren't always sure if what we were getting as far as nurturing and parenting Joshua, if it was a developmental piece or if it was just downright disobedience. And sometimes we would struggle with knowing what was happening. And so there was this one time, he was about two and a half years old, and, uh, and we were eating dinner and he had cooked carrots. You know, So maybe you're thinking already these parents are abusive because they're having their two and a half year old eat cooked carrots. But anyway, we were having cooked carrots and he had put some cooked carrots in his mouth and chewed them and chewed them, chewed them. 
and chewed them. I mean, they were better than if they had been in a blender. <laughs> but he would not swallow. And so Teresa and I are there. We're saying, Joshua, you need to swallow that. Do not spit that food out. <laughs> you, will, you will swallow those cooked carrots, right? You wouldn't swallow them, Bob? We sat there a long time <laughs> until finally, this is what happens, right? So he's about two and a half, Shelby's about seven, something like that. Shelby leans over and says, Joshua, if it were me, if, if I were you, I would just swallow the carrots because they mean it. <laughs> Speaking of us, right? We're the enemy all the most because they mean it. God means it. When he wrote to us in Psalm 95, he means it. Worship him because he's great. Come together. Do this both individually and corporately. We come together to worship him because he's great. Because he's our maker. Because he's our shepherd and our savior. And not only that, there's one more why. One more reason. Because praising God also does something for us. It would have done something for the people in the wilderness. And it will definitely do something for us. Praising God protects us from our own pride. Praising God protects us from doubt. And praising God protects us from turning away. And so as the author of Hebrews said, today, do not harden your heart. Why? To share in Christ. To God be the glory.